Hey lovers, welcome back. This is episode number eight of Polly in Real Life. some tips about things that can help you in relationships if you're already in one or in multiple relationships or things that you could be doing now to work on yourself before you get into another relationship and I think it'll be a good one today. I am recording from my bed today. I'm super comfy just feeling not so much lazy but I just feel like I don't need to be so rigid so much of a perfectionist all of the time. I'm accepting and coming to the conclusion that deep down I am a hedonist. I seek pleasure in everything I do and that's my ultimate life goal is to just experience pleasure in every single moment or as close to that as possible. And so yeah, I would like to get on with this episode and really talk about all of these things that I have learned over time. And I will say that I think these are things I would have learned in life eventually. However, the majority of these things I have learned through my poly relationships, which I find really interesting. Um, It's almost like this poly journey has really sped up this journey of self-awareness and learning about myself. And I think that's one of the best things that I have gained from being in a poly dynamic is just the amount of self-growth, self-awareness has just been so quickly and to a really large scale. Like I said, these are things that I feel would have come up for me no matter what in life, but this whole journey of being in different relationships has really sped up the process and I have a lot of clarity about myself now and what I want, what I need, what I require in relationships, who I am. I have learned a lot about my inner core wounds and how that affects not just my romantic relationships but relationships with family and friends and co-workers and even even to the point of where you know I chose the career I chose and it, it affects every aspect of your life. So today I'm going to share with you five things that you could be learning about yourself before your next relationship, especially if you feel like you're stuck in this pattern of going from relationship to relationship or you just feel kind of stuck and like something needs to change. So I think this would be a good place to start into um, a path of having more successful relationships and just being a little bit more fulfilled, being able to set boundaries better, standing your ground in relationships and not letting yourself go, not losing a sense of who you are, but rather being empowered. Um, And that's what this is about is, you know, not ending up in relationships in which you're going to be disempowered and lose yourself. 
um, because then that doesn't create a very healthy dynamic. So let's get on with number one. I think by now many of you have heard about this, but love languages are such a real thing for me. Um, I even had my partner once tell me, you know, I used to think this was all bullshit. I didn't believe in it. And then when we went through therapy, that was one of the things that our counselor had us, you know, work on was our love languages. And it kind of turned him into a believer. And I've, I feel like I've always believed in it since I first learned about it, which actually wasn't too long ago. But knowing how you receive love and how you give love is so important in partnerships because somebody could be showing you love in a way that you don't receive it. So whether they're showing you, you know, a little bit of love, a lot of love in that way, if that's not how you receive love, then you're not going to feel loved. So this can be a little bit challenging because we all love and receive love in different ways. But to be able to communicate that with each other can really create a healthy space where then you can be a little bit more aware. And, you know, if your partner's love language is quality time, but you show love with gifts usually, um, then you can be a little bit more aware instead of, you know, next time you think about getting them a gift, maybe include some aspect of quality time in there as well that way you're still giving love in a way that you that makes you feel good and that you know you give love Um, but then you're also throwing in that aspect of quality time that your partner needs and this is a little bit more difficult to be honest than what it sounds like um, because you really have to become aware you really have to make the effort because if the way that you're showing love is not the same way that your partner receives love then it can be a little bit challenging because you really have to try but I think just getting to the that point of even knowing what your love language is can be such a breakthrough in it of itself and can really help you in relationships, whether it's your current relationship or future relationships. Just being able to communicate that and just knowing that about yourself can be extremely helpful. This next one is extremely important to me because I do feel that it has applied to my life almost to a T. Um, and just remember, like this is a theory. These are all theories but I find them to be really accurate and if you do, you know, they can just be tools. You don't have to bind yourself to these things. You know, you don't have to bind yourself to your love language and make, you know, and have that be the only thing that defines you, but rather use these things that I'm giving you as tools to better understand yourself and your patterns and your partner's patterns and relationships and how to work through them. So my second one is learning your attachment style. Uh, Attachment theory is extremely interesting. I think it makes perfect sense. Um, But for those of you who don't know what attachment theory is, it's basically, um, I believe there are four different attachment styles. And 
the theory is that we develop these attachment styles based on the kind of love that we received as kids. Um, so, for example, you know, if you grow up with a secure uh, parent who is emotionally available, who does, you know, provide your needs as a child and you feel safe in, in an environment as a child, you're most likely going to grow up to be a secure partner in relationships. Um, but where things get a little bit iffy and where, you know, there can be complications in the future and it can create almost like these distorted ideas of what love is because that's ultimately what it is. It's, you know, we learn what love is from our caregivers and we learn what it takes to have our needs met from our caregivers as children. And then as we grow up, we subconsciously continue this, these behaviors, not necessarily, you know, in that household with our parents, but once we move on, then we start to act these things out in relationships in which the same thing that we did as children to get our needs met and to feel loved and safe are the same things that we're going to be doing then in relationships to feel loved and seen and safe and have our needs met as adults. Um, so there are a few different attachment styles. So we have secure, we have um, anxious attachment, fearful avoidant, and shoot, I, I'm not sure what the other one is. I think there's one that might be called disorganized. Um, I'm not sure, but there are a ton of different resources that you can um, find. There's books, there's blogs, there's a ton of videos on YouTube, online. Like you can find the, the information is there. So you can definitely find that. And once you start to really look into that and maybe see which attachment style you might fall under... I think that that will give you a lot of clarity about your patterns in relationship. That's one thing that I learned after getting out of a, um, one of my poly relationships about a year ago. I just happened to stumble upon this attachment theory and then I everything started making sense where, you know, my behaviors were really lined up with the fearful avoidant. And then I started to notice like, that has been my pattern in the majority of my relationships and not only romantic relationships either. Um, then when I started to look back at how I grew up, the type of parents that I had, um, the type of environment I grew up in, it made perfect sense that I would grow up to be a fearful avoidant. Um, and there are ways then, once you learn this about yourself, then the next thing you would learn is how to become a secure partner. How can you rewire your thinking to remember that, you know, you're in a different space now. If, if the space you grew up in was not secure and you didn't feel safe, you didn't feel loved, you, did, you felt like you had to people please or you felt like you were responsible for other people's feelings... Um, you felt like you couldn't set boundaries. And it's there's this whole process you can go through now to rewire your brain 
to let yourself know that, no, now the environment you're in is totally different. You're in a safe space now. You can have your uh, needs met now. You don't have to people please in order to be loved. You are worthy. Like it's, it's a really long process too. Like this isn't something that changes overnight. And another thing is I've gone from a fearful avoidant partner to a secure partner back to a fearful avoidant, sometimes even in like the anxious category. So you're never going to be just one. Like you can always go back and forth. And it also depends on your partner's attachment style too and how those two work together. But I will share, there is um, a specialist. Her name is Thais Gibson and she has a YouTube channel um, called the Personal Development School and she talks all about attachment styles. She covers each individual attachment style. She has courses. She has a lot. She, she has a ton of free resources and paid resources. So I would highly recommend looking into that. That's where I learned a lot about my own attachment style. Um, I'm still learning about it, but I feel like this is super important because knowing this will get you to become aware of your patterns. And once you're aware of those patterns, it becomes easier to then kind of rewire and start the process of rewiring your brain, rewiring the way that you think, rewiring the way that you react in certain situations. Um, And I feel like it's put me in a more empowered state because I think before I knew my attachment style, before I knew any of this, I would really beat myself up and wonder, like, what's wrong with me? Why didn't this work out? Why did this happen this way? And now it's like, you know, it's not really my fault. That's just my subconscious taking the driver's seat. It's more of an ego thinking and ego reaction. Um, So now I don't feel like I'm beating myself up as hard. You know, it's almost like I can love myself and accept myself the way I am while I'm also working on making myself into a more secure partner. Um, So it's also, you know, I think learning about yourself is a way that you can show yourself love. Learning your love language, learning your attachment style, and then working to become a better version of yourself so that you can show up in a more loving and a more empowered way in your relationships. I think that is definitely a form of self-love. And all of these things I'm talking about um, are pretty much, you know, being able to express them is a way to show yourself love um, because it's a way that you are showing up for yourself in relationship. So number three of something that you should learn about yourself is your needs. What are your needs? And there's one universal need for all of us, and that is to be loved Um, as humans, we are creatures that need to be in, um, groups and tribes and it's, it's a necessity for us to feel connected. Um, but deeper than that, I think it's important for us to get really specific with our needs, you know, because there are different things that different people need. Um, I think our needs a lot of times can also go hand in hand with the love language and the attachment style. Um, So for example, 
myself, um, my top love language is quality time. Uh, so that is one of my needs because I, I just, if I don't have that time to spend with the people I love, I start to fall into a depression and I start to feel like almost like I'm not even human, you know, if I'm, if I'm not connecting with other people. Um, so that's like one of my top things. And that's also something that I like to communicate to potential partners, because if they're not going to be able to provide that, um, then it's probably not going to mesh well, and we're going to have some conflicts. Um, so I think also to especially in poly relationships, I have learned that I need reassurance. Um, this is especially true in situations where I'm experiencing insecurity and jealousy. I just need reassurance. Um, I need a partner who can validate me um, in a way, like say I'm, I'm speaking about feeling a certain type of way, you know, instead of that person saying, oh, well, you shouldn't feel that way because this or that. I need the other person to validate those feelings and just say like, it's okay to feel that way and just have that person listen. Um, and I think that's also a universal one. Like we all want to be validated. Um, my needs are also communication, um, open and honest communication. You know, I, I don't like partners who build up a wall and who are, kind of like the hot and cold partner who are, are going to be like one day they're all in and then another day they're out. And it just creates a lot of insecurity for me in a relationship if, if my partner is that way. So yeah, I would say those are my, my main needs that I have learned about, you know, just constant communication, just because I, I need to feel like the person is there. And because my main attachment style is fearful avoidant, I almost always end up in a space where I feel like, oh my God, is this person going to leave me? Like, because I have that fear of abandonment. Um, so a lot of times it really helps to ease that thought if my partner can give me that reassurance, like I'm still here. Um, especially in arguments, one example that I have is when my partner and I are arguing and it gets heated, it gets emotional to the point where we just know we're not going to be able to come up with a solution. And there comes a time where one person just needs to walk away until, you know, everybody involved can cool off. And I used to really struggle with this because my partner usually will take, he'll be the one to walk away. Like he knows when it's time. And I would, I will just keep going. I'll just keep going. Um, but I used to really struggle when he would walk away because to me that felt like abandonment. And it took me a really, really long time to learn why it was that I felt that way. Why? Because I was so angry at this person. Why did I still need them to be there? Um, and it was because when they left, it felt like abandonment. Um, but now... All I ask for is reassurance. Like, yes, I totally understand why you're walking away, but I need you to reassure me you still love me and that you're coming back. <laughs> um, I think for a, fear, for a fearful avoidant, 
that is like one of the main needs and reassurance they need is that the person still loves them and they're not going anywhere. So that's just one brief example. And everybody's situation is different. Everybody handles conflict differently. Um, everybody's needs are different. Like I said, we, we all have some common needs, but like I said, it's, it's an individual thing that you have to, you know, and, and these things you almost learn through experience. And it's, I feel like I have learned what my needs are when I'm not getting them met because that's when I'm like, oh shit, like I need this, but it's not happening. So that's kind of how I've learned what my needs are. And now it's become a little bit easier um, because now I know entering my next relationship, I feel again empowered knowing my needs, knowing that I can be like, hey, this is what I need, this, this, this. And right off the bat, we can tell if we're going to be a match. Moving on to number four. And you're, you're going to notice that all of these kind of tie in to one another, uh, which is why I think it's important to focus on these five things. But number four, I have listed as fears, knowing your fears. Um, again, this can really be tied to the attachment style. Uh, for example, one of my biggest fears is just the fear of abandonment, fear of just being left like out of nowhere. Um, and I think when you understand your fears, you can also understand your actions. You can understand your patterns because if you're not the one in control, you're letting your fear control you. So a lot of times your behaviors, your reactions will stem from those fears. But once you know what those fears are, then you can actually provide yourself with the reassurance that, hey, I'm safe in this moment. You know, this fear may have kept me safe at some point in my life, but I don't need it anymore. And you can kind of go through this mental pep talk, almost like a, a be like your own support in these moments to make yourself feel better, you know, and I think communicating your fears to your partner is also a good idea because then you can, I think it makes for a really healthy conversation, especially during conflict resolution, because once you're able to sit down and talk about it and say, hey, I really think that this behavior, I really think that I may have blown up because deep down I have this fear. And then when you can talk about that, it becomes a really loving conversation. And I feel like that's been my experience when I've been able to open up about my fears. Then my partner can give me reassurance, but then they can also understand that if I blew up, it wasn't even really about them. It was all about me reacting from a place of fear and almost in a place where I let that fear take control. Um, now, that doesn't justify, you know, when people do hurtful things to each other. I don't think that justifies it, but I'm just talking about common conflicts and relationships. I think getting to know your fears can be really helpful, especially in resolving conflicts. And the last thing that I had down here was motivators. 
learning what motivates you to become a better person, to become a better version of yourself is really important um, because this is kind of how you can build your support system. If you are communicating this to everybody in your circle, your intimate partnerships, your friendships, your family, if you know what motivates you and you can then communicate that, you can have this whole team around you of people who love you, who support you in a way that's going to trigger you to grow and to become a better version of yourself. Um, I have a really good example of this. Earlier this year, I was working on a an online course um, and I, every time I do something like this, I always start off really well, especially if it's self-paced. I start off really well, you know, when I'm motivated in the beginning and then once I start to lose motivation, I tend to lack the discipline that it takes to continue. So then I'll just, I'll start something and I won't finish it or it'll take me forever to complete it. So this course, um, it did have a deadline. The only thing was that I was having trouble creating deadlines for myself within each chapter of the course and all that stuff. So I was expressing a lot of frustration to my partner about how I had fallen so behind and how I only had a certain amount of time to get this done or else I was going to have to pay for the course all over again and all this and that. So then he kind of came up with the system for me and we broke up the course into different sections and he gave me deadlines and then he also created a reward program for me. So every time I would get, um, every time I would get to the next tab in the book, I would get a reward and I was able to finish it. I was able to pretty much complete it in time. And it was exciting for me because I learned that I am motivated by rewards and I learned that that's how I'm able to meet my deadlines and continue working on something. Now, um, the thing with that was too, that made it a little bit more difficult was that towards the middle of it, I realized that I didn't really want to do the course, um, But it was nice to still be able to start and finish something uh, because I tend to have this pattern of starting things when I get excited about them without really thinking about it much and then I'll commit right away and then I won't finish it. But anyway, moral of the story is once you learn what motivates you to keep going, to do better, then it's, it's easier for you to communicate that. And I think one theme with all of these things and the reason why it's important to know all of these things about yourself is so that then you are able to communicate them. Um, And I think it just, it gives off such a confident vibe when you know so much about yourself, when you are able to have those boundaries, when you're able to tell yourself like, this is what I need. This is, you know, who I am. This is what I need to work on. And I'm not going to settle for less. And I think that's all you have to do. Just knowing those things and actively working on becoming a better person, I think will definitely come off as this amazing vibe and people will be attracted to that. Um, Some people may not even be able to handle it because they're not there yet in their own journey. So they're not going to understand. But just keep going on your journey 
and don't settle for less. And I think this will really make a difference in how your relationships play out in the future. And if you already are in a relationship, I think this could be a really good opportunity for you and your partner or partners to kind of go on this journey together and support each other while you're learning about yourself. I also think that you could always ask your partner or partners about things that they may see that you don't see about yourself, and that's another way to learn more about yourself and have a new sense of self-awareness, confidence, empowerment. Um, So yeah, those are all of the things, the five things that I had listed that I think would be really helpful to learn about yourself before getting into another relationship, or even if you already are in one. And you know, it's never too late to get started on working on these things, on working on yourself. I always believe that there's a next level. Like we can always continue to improve in all areas of our lives. So I don't have a crazy sex story of the week today, but I do have yet another really good piece of advice, something else that I've had to learn the hard way. Um, that I actually did have some people in my life tell me this, but it was one of those things where it's like, I wasn't seeing it, so I it had to be on my time that I learned this, unfortunately, but I learned it and I hope I can move on onto better things now. But the first piece of advice is, and I actually wrote an Instagram, a brief Instagram post about this. Um, I know most of my listeners on here are from Instagram, so you may have already seen this post, but if you have not had the chance to read the post, I'm just going to talk about it again because I think it's so important and I'll go into a little bit more detail this time. So I have had to learn the hard way um, about the effort that people put into relationships, the time that they put into relationships, and whether they are actually interested in you or not. Um, Basically, I have come to the conclusion, and I feel like I've, I've always known this, but I have put myself in a disempowered state, and I have allowed people to overstep my boundaries. I have overstepped my own boundaries, and I have allowed myself to almost be manipulated into thinking otherwise. But basically, if somebody really cares about you, if somebody really wants to be with you, they will make the time, they will make the effort, and you will know the moment that you are left questioning whether this person cares about you or not, you're already disempowered. And guess what? If you're questioning it, chances are they probably aren't as invested. Um, I have dragged out being with someone hoping that they would make more time for me. I would spend time asking for more time. I would end up really frustrated, you know, almost just looking for this next time that we would spend together, constantly asking for more time, oftentimes actually being flat out ignored when I would ask for time. And here I was still making excuses for this person like oh they're just a bad texter they're this they're that like it's crazy how you find yourself making excuses for people when you already deep down know the truth 
The moment you're questioning, you already know the truth. So go with that. That's your answer. You know, even their silence, even their absence, even their lack of effort, like all of that is answering your question. And that's all you need to know. And it's really unfortunate, but it just goes to show that a lot of times it takes a lot more than love to make a relationship work. It's love isn't always everything. It's the effort. It's getting to know each other. It's getting to know yourself. It's the communicating. It's so much more than just love and interest and attraction. It's all of these things that work together to make a relationship successful and fulfilling. And so if you are ever questioning yourself, then you probably already know the answer. And stop settling. Stop making excuses for them. If they need space and they're not opening up and asking for that space, and they're just keeping you in this confused state, just walk away. You know, just, if they can't even communicate that to you, like, you don't need to have a person like that in your life. You don't need to give and give and give and be in this one-sided relationship. So that's just, I just felt like I needed to repeat that. Um... And I feel like I need to repeat this to to myself every day moving forward because I don't ever want to be in that situation again where I'm begging somebody for the bare minimum. And I just don't, I I don't want to find myself in that situation again Um, because it's very disempowering. And at, at some point you just feel so powerless in the situation and it really sucks. But I can move on now knowing you know, knowing what I need and being able to speak up for that. Second piece of advice uh, came to me after I was listening to another podcast where they were talking about um, some relationship advice. And I also posted about this on my Instagram page, um, but I do want to talk about it again because I feel like it's so important and I feel like I've been here. I have shamed myself for this and I have now moved on from feeling shame about it. And that is about having sex on the first date. The amount of times that I hear, I hear people giving relationship advice and advising people, oh, if you want a long-term relationship, if you want a serious relationship, if you want a marriage, don't have sex on the first date. What kind of bullshit is that? Like, seriously. Who, who made up this rule and why are people following it? It just doesn't make any sense to me. To me, it's a form of slut-shaming and... I think we need to change the way that we are raising um, boys especially and telling them that if a woman puts out on the first date, she's not wife material, she's not girlfriend material. And we need to stop telling girls and women that if they sleep with somebody on the first date that they won't get a serious relationship out of it. That's fucking bullshit. When you have sex with somebody, 
will not define the type of relationship that you will have with them in the future. It won't define how long your relationship will be with them because there's so much more to a relationship than when you have sex with a person. And also to remind you, it takes more than one person to act on it. And it's perfectly natural to feel attracted to somebody and to act on that attraction if you're both consenting adults. If no one is being harmed, if boundaries aren't being crossed, if there's consent, if you're attracted to one another, then fucking go for it. Who cares about these silly rules? Like, we don't even know who the fuck even made these rules in the first place. And I just know how horrible it feels to feel shame about having sex with somebody on the first date. Imagine doing that to yourself every single time. Imagine saying to yourself, oh shit, I like coming home after a date that you just had sex and telling yourself, oh shit, well now, now I can't continue to pursue this because they don't think I'm wife material anymore. You're literally cutting yourself off from experiencing potentially really great relationships because you're thinking this way. And honestly, I'm, I've heard this a lot and I'm kind of tired of it. Like I'm kind of tired of people giving this advice because it's not healthy. It's, it's slut shaming. If you want to have sex with somebody on the first date, go for it. If they, if they're going to judge you for that, well, first of all, they acted on it too. So they shouldn't be judging you. You know what I'm saying? Like if you're, if the person you're on a date with, you guys had sex and they're judging you, um, that's bullshit because they acted on it as well. So clearly they have some things to work on within themselves and you probably don't want to be with somebody like that anyway. Okay. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much it. That's the rant. (laughs) That's my piece of advice. Do whatever the fuck you want. Do what makes you feel good. As long as you're being safe, consensual, and nobody's being harmed or hurt in any way, like you're totally fine to do what you want. You're totally fine to do what brings you pleasure and happiness. And when you decide to have sex again, does not define who you are. It doesn't define the quality of person you can be in a relationship. It doesn't define what the future relationship will be or the length of that relationship. So remember that. And I'm going to end the podcast episode on that note. I think today's episode was filled with a lot of really good information um, that's going to help with self-discovery, self-awareness, showing up in relationships in an authentic way, being able to communicate and speak up for yourself and setting those boundaries so that you can have successful relationships, whether you're in a monogamous arrangement or polyamorous arrangement or um, non-monogamous arrangement. Either way, these are all very important things to know. I really want to say thank you for listening to today's episode. I hope you got something out of it. I just want to um, let you know I'm here making new episodes every Thursday. Um, and you can also interact with me on Instagram at the Polly Pocket. Please feel free to um, 
go through my page. I have a ton of posts about polyamory and I have a lot of posts sharing my experiences. I also have um, Q&A stories, about me stories, so you can learn about me that way and engage with me on there as well. If you have any requests for episodes, um, for posts, if you want to submit your crazy sex stories or questions, that's where you can do that is on my Instagram page. I hope to see you there and I hope that you will be here listening again next week.